Welcome to an exciting episode of Three Men in a War Game. I'm Paul, and I did not get to go to Adepticon this past weekend. I'm Kevin, aka Chops, and I am uh, one day home from Adepticon. I did get to go. <laughs> yeah, what a jerk! And know, uh, right? we are we are without our our third seat, uh, Chris Potter. He's got some stuff going on, so um, we're wishing him well with all of that. Yep. Yes, indeed. Um, so, yeah. So, in the meantime, uh, Chops and I are going to talk about what he got to experience at Adepticon because there was so much going on. I almost felt like I was there uh, just because there was so much yeah. at all times, like coming through my phone. So much back and forth, so much chatter in the Discord. We had lots of lots of talk, yeah. lots of pictures. I was uh, extremely fortunate that even though you guys didn't get to show up, I had many people from my Malifaux meta there and also people just from the Madison minis meta people that I know just from playing minis games in the area um, that also showed up. So I got, uh, I got to say hi to a lot of people. I got to rub elbows with a couple uh, YouTube famous people. Um, so that was fun. I got to uh, say hi. To you mean, the... you mean they got to rub elbows with you? Sure. Whatever. I, <laughs> I, uh, I said hi to, to Kenny from, uh, from next level painting and the long war and gave him a beer and shot the shit with him for a second. That was pretty cool. Um, he was excited to get a spotted cow, which is a like famous beer from around here. It's a, I'm more of like an IPA and stout kind of guy, but I can respect the drinkability of a spotted cow. And he was, he knew what it was and was very appreciative. So that was really cool to run into him. Um, and then I ran into uh, Sean, the mini miniature maniac from Miniac on YouTube and just says, told him I loved his painting. I vote, got to vote on his very cool, um bet noir conversion which if you get to go look at the crystal brush entries or check out his his last like seven or eight videos on youtube that was there for his crystal brush submission we got we got to vote on that so i voted on his pretty cool um i saw uh i saw ash barker walk by i didn't i i was in the middle of something i wasn't gonna be like ash right but like i saw him (laughs) walk by and that was kind of cool um yeah so overall that was pretty that was pretty neat uh, and then, you know, lots of other experiences, which we'll go through here. Uh, I think if you're cool with it, what I'd like to do is talk about uh, announcement breakdowns and we can just go through those. Uh, and then I'll talk about like little cool things that you might not realize are cool about Adepticon, but are very cool about Adepticon. Uh, and then we'll go over some demos that I did and my overall impressions of the show. Yeah, that's that's perfect. So we're going to start with. The announcements so this way i can partake and let's and start be with the, when because... i got there wednesday night yeah what'd yeah. you do wednesday night so wednesday night i went uh i went to the uh games workshop reveal event which was really cool i don't know that i've ever been to like a live and in-person uh sort of presser before uh and that was really cool to watch um I'm, you know, less invested in Games Workshop games these days. But, you know, as listeners know, I freaked out about Warcry a little bit. So it was cool to watch the Warcry announcement. It was especially cool as just a longtime Games Workshop fan to see Slanesh uh, coming back in a big way with the Hedonites of Slanesh. But uh, we'll just break it down. And that that big-ass model, too. The Keeper of Secrets. Yeah, the new Keeper of Secrets is rad. I, I I saw that some people were, like, a little bit split on it online. Um, and I don't understand because it's really good. Like, it's, you know, it's not one of those models. that has got like nipples and shit all over it. Like the old, uh, the old ones did like the old Slanesh models, but I still think it's very Slanesh looking like 
There's nothing conservative or non slaneshi about that model. Um, yeah, I mean, but I mean, it doesn't have. I mean, it's it's. She's got the body of a slanesh model without the uh, lack of armor, I guess. Yeah, Maybe but that's I mean, but it still, are it still has that like genderless form uh and yeah. you know and and very menacing look like the the slanesh model should i think they did a really good job but let's just break it down uh into the announcements here we'll just go quick because i don't want to spend too much time because there's a lot to talk about here and a lot to break through um they showed a little bit about more about forbidden power we made some speculation last week boy we were fucking wrong uh it's really just an expansion, it looks like, to the Endless Spells. Now, we don't know everything about what's in the box, but what they showed us from the box was a suite of Endless Spells, and one of them, I think, is the coolest Endless Spell they've released. It's like a ferryman on a like a bone boat, and that, that one's really cool. Um, yeah, that, but, that did look really neat. Yeah, super cool. But they didn't, you know, we were kind of hoping for like a Tomb Kings or some like corrupted... Uh, models coming out of it and i guess we don't know for sure that that's not coming right um but but it seems less likely after everything yeah after the announcement it does and they also had a little quick teaser um that uh that showed like a little video with a goblin running through some woods sort of hinting at maybe like some that the next battle tome uh and next battle box actually might be goblins versus slanesh or not Slanesh, sorry, um, Sylvaneth. Um, so you get some, you know, tree spirits against some some cave uh, some cave goblins, some night goblins. That could be pretty cool. Um, but they also showed with, and and I think that's likely, and that because the next battle tome that we're getting for Age of Sigmar is the Fire Slayers. Yeah, um, that was that was a pretty exciting announcement. Yeah, and and much uh, much like the uh, Flesh Eater Courts. They're really getting a suite of endless spells, uh, a piece of scenery, and a new book. Um, so that looks pretty cool. The new endless spells are great. Um, there's one that's like a giant like lava monster popping out of the ground. That's fucking rad, to be frank. Uh, it's really cool. I don't know if you had any opinions on either of those things. Uh, I'll tell you what I did find interesting. I thought the uh, the Dwarven Forge was a, a pretty interesting uh, uh, thing to look at, just because it, it it screamed both eras of dwarves from from fantasy and AOS. Like it it, it definitely uh, had some throwback look to it, which was was great. But it it also screamed, "Hey, this is an AOS model, not a fantasy model." I would a hundred percent totally agree with that assessment. It definitely definitely captures a little bit of that old hammer look to it, um, but also uh, does maintain the, the sort of over the top AOS ness. Um, yep. Yeah, but it's very cool, cool piece of scenery. If you check that out, um, we finally got the the final uh, warband for uh, Night Vault. So the Warhammer Underworld season two, which is the Caradron Overlords, and that's uh, going to be. Thundrix Profiteers. Um, I don't know if you saw this, Paul, but this might be the only warband from season two outside of the Nightfall box that I purchase. Um, just because I have a mighty need to paint those minis. They are so fucking cool. They're gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I think, though, my one games workshop for this quarter is going to be the halfling team for Blood Bowl. Uh, if that 
if that comes not true, then I'll probably get these Grunstock Thunderers. I do like uh, Warhammer Underworlds a lot more than I like Blood Bowl, so it would make more sense for me to buy these. Um, yeah, but those halflings, man. I know, they're so good. They're so good. I mean, I, I'm right on board with you with how amazing those are, so I, I fully support the the halfling uh, purchase. And then the next time we hang out, we can have a halfling throwdown. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. Um <laughs> All right, so the next thing they showed was a Warcry video. And again, uh, I still don't think that I'm I'm 100% wrong on Warcry, but they did announce that the factions are... It, seem, it sounds like, at least from what we look at now, because they showed the Iron Golems, which we talked about last week as possibly being the corn-dedicated one when you look at the symbols. Right. But the way that they talked about it at the announcement, it, it, and I don't know if it shows this very well in the actual teaser video. I haven't watched it on the Warhammer community. I just watched it the one time live. Um, but the way that they talked about it is that all of the factions are sort of like chaos undivided. Um, since the thing about the Varen Spire is they're all coming to fight for Archaon, right? Who is like, uh, kind of the, like Abaddon type figure of AOS, right? He's like the leader of the chaos undivided sort of, sort of, sort of, sort of, sort of situation. Right. Um, uh, and I, I think that's probably going to carry through to all the war bands, which I think is still fine. I think it's cool that they're all uh, non-God allied and they're sort of just in it for the chaos. That's fine with me. Um, I still think, though, and, and I'm even more reinforced in my belief that these are going to be, you know, 40 to $50 boxes of entirely new sculpts a la Necromunda. Um, and especially because they, you know, they showed off six sculpts, four of them human, one of them chaos dwarf, which fucking hey that's awesome and maybe we'll actually get some chaos dwarves in aos eventually yeah that'd be cool um yep yeah very very awesome um so and then uh ogor too right the 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 last one is an ogor um yeah yep but yeah and those models are all real cool um they're like the sort of the they're the guys who reign from the realm of metal uh and they make armor in the name of chaos that uh, was the little backstory they gave us about them. Um, really cool. But I think the most exciting announcement and the announcement that got like a huge cheer from the crowd. I mean, the crowd, like a lot of people stood up and started clapping when they revealed uh, eight additional faction symbols um, that are all existing models from AOS. Well, so, and, and what, what what's interesting is that I didn't even see that as being a problem. But apparently there was a lot of hate at the initial announcement for only having chaos models. Which, I mean, I, I, I would hate to find out the Games Workshop added this to appease fans because I think the game would have stood on its own just fine um, without having to let people include all their models. A bunch of crybabies. Yeah, but it, 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 I mean, from, also, from back home, that's what it was. There was a lot of, a lot of grumbling, apparently. And I, I guess I can walk that back a little bit. I don't I don't mean to insult people who, you know, want to use the miniatures they've purchased for this new game. But if Games Workshop's designers intended this for this system to have initially these six war bands and they they balanced the game, you might have just fucked them all up and forced them into something that like the design space wasn't meant for initially, which I'm not a fan of at all. So if you are one of those right. whiners and the game ends up less cool because of this, then it's your fault. I'm, um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure you walked that back at all, Kevin. 
<laughs> I, th- I think you made it even even more hardline. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it may, but maybe it was intended to be like this, right? They always intended yeah. to release all the factions. I just think they would have done that at the initial announcement if that was true. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, it's it's cool. I'm not going to lie. I will like the fact that it looks like there's some orcs in there and I'll get to have some green skins in this thing. Um, but I just hope it doesn't mean that those war bands aren't balanced as tightly as the ones they were working on, you know? Right, because now they're rushing to get some stuff out. Yeah, it just doesn't feel as good. But and, and again, hopefully that's not true. Hopefully that I'm I'm completely wrong and that you guys will be vindicated listeners that want to use those old models and want to think that I'm some kind of asshole for calling you an asshole. That's fine. But in the meantime, direct all complaints to three men in a war game. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I just, I, you know, I, my, my opinion is that the game designers should be able to do at least a little bit what they needed to do. And if this was supposed to be a self-contained game, God, I wish they would have just kept it that way. Like yeah. no one was screaming and crying that Necromunda didn't have Eldar and space Marines. Um, like no one is crying about that. Uh, and people shouldn't cry about this other game that could be like Necromunda and cool and balanced and now possibly not. Now it could, now it could turn into shadow War Armageddon and where's shadow War Armageddon now, Paul, where's what, what, who exactly? I don't know what you're talking about. No one fucking cares about shadow War Armageddon. Anyway, let's move on. We're beating a dead horse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, What's, what's next? What? So at that ended, and, and then uh, they showed Apocalypse, which a lot of people got really excited about. But I got to tell you, Paul, uh, I don't think there's anything that could make my dick softer than having to spend more money to play 40K. Right, with movement trays and another book. and I'm good. I'm yeah, super so, good. I'm not so, trying to spend thousands of, thousands of dollars on a 40K army to play Apocalypse. Now, this is really cool for people who want it. And guys right, who yeah, are like then, heavily invested in, in, in Forge World and have like multi thousand dollar armies, this is the coolest fucking thing. And I'm not gonna I'm not even gonna lie. If I had this shit already, oh man, I'd be in for it a thousand percent. Um, but as it stands, it's just an unattainable game system for me. Yeah, if I if I wasn't into eight million other games, uh and only bought GW stuff, then maybe. That would be cooler. I mean, I think it's great to be able to have that many models, but um, yeah, not for me. Yeah, exactly. And it is a great announcement. Cool. They're doing a whole new box. Cool. It's got its own rule system. Uh, They say it's going to be able to be playable in an evening with like 10,000 points. Uh, It's got D10s. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it it sounds like it's all going to be, um, you know, different units as you would think of them in 40k kind of combined as detachments and maybe that's how the the models will function in the game yep yep um so the last couple announcements one of them they did a really good uh funny take on 50 shades of gray with a like 50 shelves of or 50 shelves of gray with 50 shelves of unpainted miniatures yeah um (laughs) and then uh, advertising that as a some new painting system. Uh, it's a wait and see thing. We have no idea what that's going to be, so we just have to wait. Um, they showed a couple of con exclusive models, which there were hours of lines for at Adepticon, um, and I didn't ever even attempt to wait in one because every time I went up, it was like forty five to fifty people deep. Oh, I just shit. wasn't trying. I just wasn't. I need. I had too much other stuff to do. 
Um, but the last thing, and for people who are listening, and if you're interested in winning a Sisters of Battle army or just telling Games Workshop what you think, and maybe I'll tell them about Warcry, my opinions on Warcry, uh, you can take their study or their uh, their survey on the 15th. Uh, and just by taking it, you are entered in a chance to win a Sisters of Battle army. And yes, the new ones. They are not trying to get rid of old models. <laughs> They're going to empty the warehouse. <laughs> yeah, they made a joke about that live. They were like, we're not trying to empty all the metal ones out. You will get the new ones. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, and then the final announcement uh, we talked we talked about a little bit. Slanesh. So the Heed Knights of Slanesh showed off. Uh, in my opinion, some of the best models to come out of Games Workshop in a while. Um, I know we say that every time they put out models, but these models really are amazing. The new Keeper of Secrets is amazing. The Endless Spells got, I, I swear to God, or not the Endless Spells. It was the the like the like mirror with the two sort of like demonettes dancing around it. Yeah, uh, that was pretty cool. That thing got like a stand standing ovation when ah. they showed it. Um and and really all of the announcements they like just the crowd was going nuts the whole time the slanesh thing was was going down and people were very excited um i think i mean uh slanesh is my preferred chaos god so like if i was gonna buy in these models are the models i would buy and they're very cool yeah um so Uh, but i think oh go ahead go ahead oh no go for it i was gonna say so by the end of it um once the the gw presentation was over uh, how did you feel about your first uh, experience of, of sitting in one of these cons and, and doing that? Well, I, I say it that, but ex- you've been to Gen ex- Con plenty of times, so you, you might not. Yeah, but first. like sitting in the in the like announcement hall where they're like showing all the new stuff, the energy was electric. People all around me were like standing up and cheering. Like, uh, you know, Adepticon is pretty much fifty percent of Games Workshop convention, maybe more than that, right? Like, uh, it, right. it it's probably more than well, yeah. Let's just call it fifty. Um, and it shows, man, like there was a packed hall. People were like standing up, cheering, like having a great time watching things happen. Um, and it was fun, man. It was really, really cool. Even though, like I said, I'm not uh, super high on the Games Workshop game at the moment. Um, right. Even though I play a lot of Kill Team, I do like Games Workshop. I enjoy their games. I play them. I'm not like a GW fanboy, but like watching the GW folks just go nuts uh, was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's that that's got to be cool. I I, yeah, I have was, some things that great. I want us to talk about in a different episode, but um. Anyway, so it was it was awesome. It was awesome. It great. was awesome. It was great. So let's talk about. Um, we got two other announcements to talk about. The first one I want to talk about is the one that it's going to be exciting to you, but less exciting than the one after. Uh, okay. To give you a hint, so we're, let's talk about the fa- fantasy flight announcement. Um, okay yeah let's they, talk you know they, they did some armada stuff which is cool but much cooler than the armada stuff was the new starter for star wars legion yeah. uh, where they announced the yeah the trade federation uh and uh the republic army roger roger um or separatist alliance and the republic the galactic republic right yeah um so for people who didn't see this the, there's going to be a new two-player starter um, coming out for Legion, um, and it's going to have Republic Commandos and Obi-Wan uh, versus Droids and General Grievous. Yeah, and, which, and Droid Dekaz, which is even more awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. Uh, all the models. And, then, you know, there's a cool little speeder tank thing for the, the Republic Army, too. Right. Um, very, very cool. So, Paul, what's your what's your first read on this? Like, I you know, I had said for a long time that they need four factions in Legion. 
So this brings us up to four and makes me much more interested in the game. Uh, also, I've said on previous episodes, I've I've said loudly that if droids were ever an army in this game, it would be what gets me into the game. And I'm pretty sure that I'm going to sell my current lot of everything I have for Legion and save that money to, to reinvest it directly into these starters. Yeah, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, as I as I sit here working on some Star Wars Legion models, um, that thought had crossed my mind too, just because the Clone Wars stuff is so cool, which as a Star Wars fan, I find very interesting because of how much those movies are hated and the amount of excitement that people had for this was just amazing. Well, let's let's. There's a little bit of, of interesting things. There's, like, I mean, a couple of things to talk about there that are fun. One of them is that you know the, the Star Wars, the prequels are, you know, like objectively not amazing movies. No, I don't no. think I don't think anyone would say they are. But the design of the stuff in the, I mean, it the the, the overall like aesthetic of the clone of the Clone Wars stu- era stuff is not bad. No, it's right? amazing. Like it's, prequel it's starships fantastic. are cool. Yeah, the droids are cool. Yeah, the, Doug like, Chang did an amazing designs. job designing that movie. Exactly. Right. Exactly that. The design of the movies, the aesthetic of the design of the movies is cool. Like you nobody saw the original trailer for the Phantom Menace and was like, "Well, that looks goofy and stupid." Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, that trailer came out and that people were fucking going ape shit for that movie. It wasn't until it came out that people turned on it. So, um the, the design of it is great. And I think that's reflected in the excitement. And also I think time has been pretty kind to those movies. Um, it's, it's still, it's fun to watch the Phantom Menace and make fun of it. Uh, it's also kind of fun uh, to watch attack of the clones and make fun of it. And then it's, it's fun to watch revenge of the Sith and actually be like, Hey, this movie's not so bad. Right. You know, and, and uh, the, the, and I know this is side note onto, onto the star Wars thing, but I'll tell you what, watching the Phantom Menace with your kid is amazing. All right, I'll take that at face value and try it. Yeah, um, because because kids kids love it, and that's who it's for, and it it just warms my heart, uh, just because it's like such an easy in for kids to be into Star Wars. All right, hey, I'm 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 down for that, and like I've watched uh, plenty of the Clone Wars animated show with my kid, and she loves it. Right? Heck so, yeah. Um. Anyway, that's a so, that's a whole other episode. Yeah, definitely. But the overall announcement is very exciting. I think, like I said, I'll probably sell everything I have for Legion outside of the terrain that I've built and the match that I own um, so that I can buy all Clone Wars stuff. Because it really, really what I really what I want to do is I want to buy a starter and have a friend buy a starter that wants the Republic stuff and then just trade everything in the box so that I can yeah. have two lots of the droid stuff. Well, that's 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 um, a efficient way to do it um, based on what we saw from the first uh, starter set. Yep. Yep. So that is, uh, that's my goal and that's what I'm going to try to do. So and anything the mo- else to the, add for the-, the, the models look amazing. Uh, it's yes. general grievous and general Kenobi and general Kenobi's one pip card is hello there. So, I mean, how could it not Just be any better? So good. So yeah. good. And I think we can say safely when we look at this, that FFG has stepped up its modeling game. Um, yes, that is we've- an understatement. Yeah, we've seen it a little bit as Legion has come out. Like there was some missteps, like with Leia, um, <laughs> Leia and Han's heads. These, yeah, these models though are incredible. And I mean, it, and even looking at the most recent re- releases, the Death Troopers and Krennic, 
are great. Jen Urso was really good. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the, the, the modeling has stepped up a lot and that's especially true. I think with these, I think it's very much worth noting for sure that these are an entire cut above. They don't look out of place with the other Legion models, but it's very obvious that the sculpts are better. Yes, that's yeah. They are, they are really nice. Um, you know, all the pictures that we saw of them, they just look absolutely phenomenal. Um, I mean, the only other thing, if it's not the sculpts, they got a different studio painter. That's the only other thing yeah. I can think of for how they look so yeah, yeah. significantly better. And it might be a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B there, um, but they are great. Um, and I, I got some pictures I took, which I'll send to you to put on the Twitter of out of the display case. And honestly, out of the display case, they look even more impressive than they do on the website, which is insane because in the website, they're like done with nice cameras and put up on cool terrain. But just being able to see them like stand on their own really shows how good they are. Right. Um, and they're, you know, much more dynamic poses and stuff too. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just really good. Yeah, that's, that's true. I didn't think about that. Like Obi-Wan with his, uh, signature, uh, 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 lightsaber style is, is brought through. Um, and they're continuing what we saw, what we're going to see with, uh, uh, Sabine Wren and, uh, multiple pose options. Yeah. Multiple, yep. multiple options as far as general grievous, with a cape, without a cape, with two arms, with four arms. So, I mean, there's there's a lot to that, which makes it amazing. Which is kind of why I want to split the contents of a box so that I can have Grievous built two ways, depending on how I'd like to, uh, to, to play that day. Oh, that's true. That's true. I didn't even think about that as a, as a legit way to, to do that. Yep. Yeah, you could just make both of them, paint both of them, and then whichever one you're feeling you can play. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting too because I guess at some point we'll see we'll probably see Anakin and Ahsoka. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, there's tons of possibilities now that they're going into that timeline. So zero the hut. Yeah, man, give me that zero the hut. Really, just give me the <laughs> hut cartel. Yeah, I will yeah, do zero it. Zero the hut would be would be great. We'll 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 make a a, a custom zero the hut. Yeah, we need to make like a a zero the hut hashtag and see if we can actually get it on fantasy flights radar at some point <laughs> i i support this i support this like we'll, appara- we'll apparently this people really fucking want zero the hut <laughs> who would have thought yeah let's we'll make this happen we'll get a we'll get a we demand zero the hut thing uh, <laughs> zero the legion yeah and anyway. then when they only sell two of them uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh man I wouldn't feel bad at all. No, neither neither would I. Maybe maybe they'll make it multi-pose so this way but then I have an excuse to sell four to us. <laughs> but we can't we can't be the only people who feel this way. I so. mean, there's got to be a cult following for Zero the Hut. Anyway, yeah. again, we're off the rails now, but this we're, apparently Potter's the one that keeps us on track. <laughs> all right. Who the thunk? So yeah, right. Uh, usually I thought it was me, but yeah, I guess I, guess it's I not. I so too. All right. All right. So, so go the ahead. Last what, announcement. Yeah. Go ahead. What else? What else? Any, last, anything else? FFG. Uh, not well. There's the Armada, the new uh, new, campaign new campaign that yep, came yep, out. Yep. They showed that, which I completely which missed neat. in all the excitement of Legion. I didn't realize that uh, they made an announcement on that until today, which today is Monday after the con, and uh, so that was what three or four days after they announced it that I saw it. Yeah, so Legion is a much bigger deal, I think, to a lot of people. Um, but yep. yeah, uh, that's still pretty cool that Legion or that Armada is being supported. Yes, in some way, shape, All or right. form, and and the campaign looks pretty neat. 
It does. It does indeed. Going through the outer rim. Yep. All right. Go ahead. Um, all what right. So get? moving on to the next announcement. This one's going to be near and dear to, to Paul's heart and actually becoming nearer and dearer to my heart, which is a spoiler alert for later on in the episode. Um, this is Lost World Exodus. Oh, um, my God. Major, <laughs> major announcement from War Cradle. I'll let you take this one away, Paul, because I think you're a lot. You're more excited and knowledgeable about the implications. So I'll let you go ahead and, and lead on the discussion with this one. OK, so so quick rundown of this basically this is another game um set in the dystopian universe that war cradle has created um it's called lost world exodus so since it's got that exodus in the title that means it's going to be a skirmish game much like wild west exodus however in a different setting and that setting is a very sir arthur conan doyle uh lost world of of jungles that are are growing in south or south Antarctica uh, in antarctica <laughs> <laughs> that's almost as bad as my india flub south Antarctica. <laughs> yes <laughs> so so basically um it's it's going to be another skirmish game set in this dystopian universe um with the the kind of uh uh narrow scope of wild west exodus but it's in this contested part of antarctica where we're getting all these weird flora and fauna developing because of a a watcher seed ship essentially that crashed and is leaking uh all this terraforming juice yeah exactly terraforming juice um and so animals are are quickly uh changing and developing and going away uh but really part of the implication here that is really exciting is that it is a sister game to wild west exodus uh not just in name but much like warhammer or warhammer war machine and hordes they are going to be compatible because they share their game engine um which is super 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 exciting um because now they're also able to bring in the the eight major factions that are are part of this dystopian world um, that we're going to see in uh, uh, you know the naval game and the and the large scale war game, and this brings them more of a direct line to it. Some factions like the Union uh, are going to be represented in this game, but under the the grander name of Confederate Confederated States. Uh, so there will be some different play style. And uh, one of the, one of the great things is that uh, Stuart gave away some some tip, some some hints about how things would play uh, in in the many videos that he did. And then uh, after getting back, uh, they released another video and it kind of cleared up some of that. And that um, your models that are going to be in in Lost World Exodus are far more far more militaristic than what you see in Wild West Exodus. Um, and so one of the things that he brought up in that is that the, uh, the wild West, as we know, is, is big on rugged individualism, which is not as, uh, important to those units from the lost world. Uh, so right off the bat, they're not going to be using fortune like they do in wild West Exodus. They'll have a different mechanic. Right. Yep. Uh, but it's 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 so exciting. And I, I don't know if in my excitement, if I've even covered everything that there is to say about it. But uh, yeah, I mean, we, we we could highlight every every faction. But I think we'd be talking all night. 
Um, but it, it is an exciting, it, uh, basically it brings 16 factions to the overall Exodus rule system, right? So I think that's what we should call it at this point. It's just like, you know, well, so I'm sure somebody will come up with something like War Mahords for right. it. Um, but at, at this point, it's just diso- the dystopian age Exodus system for what I would, you know, call it right now. Um, and it's so cool that they're going to have two systems, two entirely different systems that give you two entirely different reasons and methods of building terrain. Like one of them is like, you know, maybe buy some MDF kit and make your cool little wild West town. But the other one is like, go to the pet store and go fucking ape shit buying flora and fauna and build this crazy alien jungle terrain kit, um, with like wild right, exactly. mushrooms and, and all kinds of cool you, you stuff. Know, even- Yes, and even even just in um, the confines of the game and and reasons why people would be fighting, you know, there's no reason why the the French Foreign Legion wouldn't send a a small group of people in to uh, get some of the cool shit happening in in the Wild West, right? So that that gives you a reason for these guys to be playing or to be fighting each other. Yeah, yep. or or the Union has uh, uh, taken General Grant and and shipped him off into the into the Antarctic to, to uncover what the enlightened's doing down there. So, I mean, there's all kinds of and I, great I fluff things that, that get added to that. It's so good. And I don't think I can out, I can like, uh, I can possibly understate how amazing 16 different factions is. Well, yeah. And, and the other cool thing too, is that, and we've talked about list building in, in wild west exodus and, you know, you have your posse slots and there's keywords for each slots. But if there's a unit that's from uh, Lost World Exodus that matches one of those slots, they're entirely legal in that Wild West Exodus thing, in the, in that posse slot. Which so is- if you have so if you have a confederate confederated states model who has the keyword Union, they can fit in a Wild West Exodus posse that requires a Union unit. Yep, rad. Yeah. Which is really cool, and there's some and there's some built-in ways to prevent it from getting too crazy because sometimes they'll request a union face or a union hands unit. Well, in which Lost, don't exist, w- those do not exist in Lost World Exodus, so they have a different name. And as Stuart has has very much pointed out, it's not just in name only, but it's also in the ways that they function. So if you are familiar with War Machine, um, your your face model, your equivalent of face models in Lost World Exodus aren't rugged individuals running around by themselves, but they're more of a weapon attachment like you would find in, in War Machine attaching to a unit. So I'm really excited about that. And that's where I'm going to leave that. And, and Yeah, I'm also really excited about Lost World Exodus. I think I'm even more excited um, just because the aesthetic appeals to me a lot. Um, and some of the army names admittedly also appeal to me quite a bit. Um, but you know, we'll see as it develops. And I think I'm just overall extremely impressed with war cradle. Um, and, and I mean, I have been right. I obviously I bought like, or I, you know, I got you guys in, right. Yep. Like, this is all I, your fault. you know, I, yeah, I had initially acquired the red Oak starter and read the rules and was very impressed by what I read. And that's way back in like one Oh two. Um, and I, I really thought it was a great game system. And even though I didn't necessarily pick it up at the time, um, I, I recognized how good it was and it's, you know, only improved. And even though I'm not playing it, like you, you, you know, our listeners know, I don't like 
not I don't ignore game systems. Like I still watch to this day every War Cradle Q and A. Mm-hmm. Whenever they do, whenever they do talks on Beasts of War, I listen to to Stuart talk because because I think he's uh, a really talented studio director. Um, and I think that they do extremely good work and they've made really good decisions. And it, it would appear that the things that they are doing to make this uh, totally unified universe where they can have four or five game systems all exist thematically in the same place and then also have now two game systems that interact is just it's remarkable for such a small company. And I think they are wearing the britches of a huge company and they're doing things that are that would be impressive from a company like Games Workshop. Um, but they're just a small, strappy group of guys. Um, I've, and I commend them for it. I commend them for making such a good and, and, and very well-loved game system. If you talk to people who like Wild West Exodus, they are extremely passionate about it. Um, as, I mean, you guys have listened to, right, with, uh, right. with Chris and Paul on the show here. So um, I think if you're sleeping on Wild West Exodus, now's the time to wake the fuck up. Yep. And, you know, the the other interesting thing, too, is as I was listening to the Beast of War interview with Stuart and Chris about this, is that the way they said, the way they expressed that this was a, uh, you know, Exodus game and that you could have these great specific settings in Exodus games, it kind of led me to believe that maybe somewhere in the future we might see another setting pop up. Yeah. Now, now, granted, that's that's should be very well off in the distance because they got to get this one out and Dystopian Wars and Armored Clash and stuff like that. But it kind of sounds like they wouldn't object if they could, you know, come up with a good setting and some good models and some good factions to having another setting. Yeah, I uh, I, I I wouldn't disagree. I think that's a, it's a possibility. But I think that the really remarkable thing is how they've taken. This, these multiple IPs and mesh them together in this cohesive way and sort of forge their own aesthetic now that they're all, you know, they're all into their own models um, and they're doing the sculpting and they're controlling the IP. They've taken these multiple IPs and smashed them together in this really elegant way. Yeah. And, and not in a way that makes them feel awkward. Like it all feels nope. natural. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Um, so let you, are you ready to, you good to move on? Yeah, I'm good to move on. I'm just, I'm just a little out of breath because I'm so excited about that. Oh yeah, dude. So we'll, (laughs) we'll talk about, we'll talk about a little bit more war cradle in a minute. Um, but the next thing I want to talk about is just cool things at Adepticon. So if you've never been there, there's some really cool shit, uh, and some really cool reasons that you should try to make the trip. Um, that's thing one, uh, is the, and this is going to sound maybe like a minor thing, but the availability of water at the convention, um, I can't, and I, I, I know that sounds weird, but I can't understand Interstate how great it is that there is like a water cooler hooked up to the walls every hundred or 200 feet or so in the convention center. And there are giant things of cups so that if you forgot to bring a water bottle or, you know, if you didn't provision correctly and you just need a drink of water, you don't have to go and buy an expensive bottle of water. There is free and available cold filtered water all over the convention center. Um, and I think that's really really great i don't know if did you know that paul that was a thing no i didn't know that and that's actually uh so good uh just for the health of people that are there to be able to grab that water because it can be so tough you know if you're you're in the middle of a round you don't even have the time to go buy one of those expensive bottles of water you can just grab it and and be ready to go 
Right. I was really impressed. Um, and that was one of the most impressive things about the convention center. I remember thinking that a couple of years ago, the last time I was there, but I had forgotten about it. And then when I got there this time, I was like, oh, yes, the water fountains. Amazing. <laughs> Um, or they're like water coolers. They're like, you know, they're like, they're, they look like five gallon Alhambra kind of dispensers, except they have lines running into the walls. Right. Um, but yeah, they're super great. So that's one thing. The second thing is the bits exchange, which is like a flea market, except imagine a flea market. And when you went into the flea market, it was just miniatures and shit, like people selling, uh, miniatures they don't want anymore. Um, like big lots of stuff. Um, and it was really cool. I uh, scored some weird mystery boxes for a dollar or two dollars a piece, which wow. is awesome. Yep. I scored the original um, uh, um, Wayward 8 sculpts from Wildest Exodus for uh, $10. That's not bad at all. Nope. The Kickstarter ones from back when Wildest Exodus was first kickstarted. So that because they were like a stretch goal, right? The Firefly crew. So. Right. That was pretty exciting. Um, and then I saw lots of really cool stuff in there. I, I almost, again, Paul, this is like the fourth time in a month. I almost pulled the trigger on like a 10 or $15 Dark Age starter and then didn't do it. Um, I'm, I'm surprised then, you, you know, didn't I do saw it again. A couple, I know, I know. I, I, <laughs> I'm sort of regretful that I didn't because I could have got one for 15 bucks. That's the best price I've seen. Uh, wow. And I think just $15 for the like eight or 10 miniatures that are in that box is totally worth it because they're amazing. Um, and, and the game system looks awesome too. Like it looks really great. Um, yeah, sure. It actually plays really great, which I'll talk about. Um, but, um, so yeah, that was, that was the bits exchange, which is the coolest thing, man. It's so awesome at night. Basically the open play area just turns into people trying to sell their minis. That's really cool. That's a, that's a great way to be able to do that. So that's the second cool thing you might not realize about Adepticon, uh, before you get there. That is um, super awesome. Um, and then the last thing, which is much more obvious, I think, and just the thing that I think is worth talking about, though, is that when you go, um, the booths there aren't manned by, like, people that you don't know. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, like, if you went to the Corvus Belly uh, um, booth, who do you think was giving demos of Aristea all weekend? Carlos. No way. Right? Like the main hype guy. That's just like the main Corvus belly employee that you see in all the videos. Yeah. He's like, awesome. They're right. That's, I mean, he's at the booth all day. Um, Darren from war cradle all day, giving demos talking about wild west exodus. Um, and this is the truth at every single booth at happy games factory. Mohan was there, Mm -hmm. uh, on deck, ready to talk about whatever you want to talk about, you know, despite the language barrier. Um, and, uh, you know, every single booth I went to, there were there were prominent designers like selling their games. So I think that's another thing that's really cool is that you get to actually like, you know, interact with these people as human beings and not just the, you know, the people who are names in the books for the, the rules that you play. Um, they're there hanging out. And like, you know, if you watch Warhammer Community, Duncan was there all weekend doing paint seminars. Um, I, you know, I saw him passed by in a hallway and I was like, Ooh, there's Duncan. I wonder if he's got a <laughs> wonder how many times he said two thin coats of paint today. Um, Probably a lot. So it was, re- it was really cool seeing that. Um, and I think that's, a, I, I think, I, I think for me, uh, 
you know, I have a little bit of loyalty to a local convention here in Madison. Um, but I think outside of that little local convention, I think that Adepticon is the best run and the best put on convention that you can go to in any sort of tabletop medium, whether it's board games or miniatures games or a combination of both. It's just a really great atmosphere. Um, everybody's there having a really good time. Um, there's like lots of tournaments going on. The The vendor hall is amazing. Um, and it, it's just, everything there is just really, it's really good. And there's good access to good food too, right? Like everywhere around in that Schomburg area. So, um, just all in all great experience. And I would highly recommend anybody that can try to make the trek, um, to get out one year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Chicago, so there's definitely good food. Yep. For sure. All right. So now, all right. now, now the, the other big important thing, uh, we need to know about is give us a rundown on your demos. Yeah, what I did, right? Um, so let's let's talk first and foremost about the only game I bought into at the con. So I played, I think, 10 demos. Uh, I want to talk about seven of them. Um, but I only bought into one game system. And what um, game system and the game is that? This Wild West Exodus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, truth be told, like, you know, I'd love to say it's just you guys and, you know, because you guys are playing, but I've said week on week, it was hard for me to get my guys to buy into another game system. Like I'm Correct. the guy who like, they can't never count on me to play a game consistently. And I don't blame them. Right. right. They're like, Kevin, we don't want to hear about another game because you don't stick with a game week to week, like outside of Malifaux. Malifaux is the only consistency in my gaming diet. Right. I don't um, even have that luxury anymore. I'm just a guy like, Oh, what's he playing now? Yeah. Right. So, <clears throat> um, and you know, the podcast doesn't help that we're like constantly <laughs> no. looking for the next new thing. But uh, let, let me say this. I left the weird booth in the morning because, of course, I rushed the weird booth to buy the limited stuff, right? Because that's that's my main interest. I waited in line for make, to make sure I was at the front of the line for two hours so I could get in and buy some of the limited shit. Did you? Um, did, so did you get any of the uh, limited stuff, the stuff that they had like 20 of? I, I, I did, and then I gave it to my local guys. <laughs> you are you are a uh, uh, scholar and a gentleman. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, anyway, you know, outside of that, the first thing I did is I started walking around, uh, and as I'm walking, um, I, you know, I see the war cradle booth and I'm instantly drawn to it because it's a, it's a beautiful booth for one. And it was uh, lost two, world Exodus actually, themed, right? It was lost world Exodus themed. And I had actually sat and talked to, um, a few of the people from, um, war cradle while I was sitting waiting in line too, but while they were waiting to get in, cause they only got into the hall an hour early as exhibitors. Oh, so I was sitting and talking to them for a second. Um, and I told them I'd stop by the booth. So I was like, it was already on my mind that I was going to be looking for their booth to walk over and take a peek at it. Um, and as I'm walking up, I get a big boisterous hello. Uh, and do you have time for a demo? And it's Mike Pierce, who's <laughs> a, a, a war host and a very, very active member in the Facebook community um, for Wild West Exodus. And he gives me a hell of a demo of this game. Um, okay. Maybe one of the best demos of any miniatures game I've ever had. Um, if you so ever have what, the pleasure of so having what, Mike demo for you. What made his demo so good? That's I'm, I'm curious. Uh, 
So the things that made his demo so good were the ways that he introduced the core mechanics of the game. And he didn't, he didn't overstate things. He gave you the basic rules and then got really excited about every new mechanic as he, (laughs) as he gave it to you, as it became relevant, Uh, you know, like we would, I I, I would move forward uh, or, you know, and a shot was about to be taken and he'd be like, you know, and now he's going to take this shot, but hold on because <laughs> okay. you guys don't know about the quick and the dead. Right. And so, and he'd like introduce this new mechanic and in a very exciting way each time and allow us to explore these mechanics on our own after he showed them to us. Sure. That, um, and that's, that's cool because that kind of helps create that, uh, um, the, the, the movie in your head, theme of the wild west as you're playing and being like oh well look i'm gonna duck behind these boxes now yep yeah and 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 it was very easy for him to be able to like no matter what happened with the dice for him to be able to riff off of what happened and show you know thematically why it was as cool as it was what happened um so I think, it, you know, like I said, it was just a, it was a really good demo. Um, and it was one of his first, first, you know, it's like his first demo, the first day of the con too. So he was like ready to go. <laughs> uh, um, but it was really great. It was a really, really, really good demo. I came away really impressed. I will say though, that I still had the same reservations at that point that I, I did, you know, last week when we were talking and that I could buy Lost World Exodus models that would sit on my shelf and never get played because I couldn't sell the game to another local guy. Right. So let's just fast forward past all my other demos to Saturday at the con. So Saturday afternoon, I, I played a couple games at Eden with uh, local friends. I had introduced a, a, a local guy from Milwaukee to the game and wanted to give him a good demo introduction of the game. So we had gotten done. And then I walk in with, um, with friend of the show, John, uh, to the vendor hall because he had been wanting to try Wild West Exodus based on listening to the podcast and listening to you guys talk about it. He wanted to try it. And so we went in for another demo. And this time we had Yan, for also a war host, also uh, very active in the, the community, uh, give us, a again, a spectacular demo. Um, this time, uh, the first time I should say I played with the Red Oak starter models. Um, And the second time I insisted that we wait for the board uh, that had the tribal retribution starter against the um, uh, no surrender starter. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. That's a great combination. Um, So it was basically walks looking on grant. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. Uh, And I wanted to wait for that board so I could try those models and, you know, get, get myself right. Just prove to myself that the game is good. And the play styles are varied by playing more than what was in the red Oak starter. Right. Um, because we had talked about that in, in, in that, uh, in, uh, when we talked about wild West exodus, that sometimes based on all the common rules, it can be a challenge to, to visualize how things play differently. Yeah. And, and I agree. It is very, it's very difficult, which is, you know, again, why I wanted to wait for that board. And we did, uh, I controlled the, the warrior nation. Um, and, uh, John took the, the union and again, Yan led a very good demo, um, in, in much the same way. Uh, and he had set the board up so that like everything was sort of in predictable ranges, you know, like okay, yeah. everything was, everything was just far enough away that you had to make like a little bit of a tight decision to get into melee or do whatever you needed to do. Um, and it was set up so that you, you know, you could take advantage of the positions that, that everything was in, uh, and learn about, you know, learn about line of sight blocking, learn about, 
uh, how moving and charging are not both movement actions. One's a combat action, one's a movement action, like getting into those core mechanics of Wild West Exodus. Um, and the the highlight of the demo, right, was like that we finished up and that I, I looked at John and I was like, so what'd you think? And he basically replied, we should probably look at models. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And so, you know, we, we both came away very excited. Uh, I bought in, I, uh, I bought, uh, I bought one of the con exclusives for Paul here. Mm-hmm. And then I also bought, uh, the divine intervention starter, which is, uh, the, uh, the holy order. Uh, and then I also bought the, the speaker cohort, uh, for them. So I got myself a posse box and a unit of hands, or I guess multiple units of hands, right? Because it comes with enough to make three units. If Yeah, if you're running minimum units, absolutely. Yep, yep. Um, <clears throat> so um, really cool. Uh, also, I thought it was neat that I was able to essentially assemble a 1500 point because I, I think I costed it out and I can get right, right up, right up to that 1500, not quite there for 65 bucks. Yeah, that's um, not bad. Yeah, it feels pretty good. A full full army list for sixty five dollars. That's a pretty good buy in, um, and uh, that that I think that that that's all I have to say is that I played two demos and I was floored by how good the game was in demonstration on eighteen inch by eighteen inch boards. Right, like just completely impressed. Okay, so I um, I guess I guess here's here's one of the things that I want to know, and and I don't know if this is right for the. Adepticon episode, but what was it while you were playing that other than other than John saying, hey, I want models. What was it that that triggered that understanding for you that uh, factions do play differently and 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 gave you gave you a good assessment of of whatever it was that you were missing, despite the fact that you're the one who started the North Carolina meta. Yeah, right. So it was my it was I can tie it right to my activation with walks looking in the second demo. Okay. Um, so I flip a three, right? I'm sitting on a full fortune load. I hadn't, I hadn't spent any of her fortune somehow through the whole turn. Right. I had managed to hold on to all of it. That feels good. Um, yep. Uh, and I had uh, two plus one fortune cards in my guts and glory hand. Oh, okay. So I was sitting, I was sitting on an ass load of AP. Right? Yeah. You can do what you want. Basically. Um, yes. And being seeing the options right like being and and see and knowing walks looking as my boss and she's like the hero of my movie uh and like having her be able to charge straight across the battlefield right into grant's face and like i imagine her you know she's got this ability where when when she focuses like her basically her weapons like energize and that was sort of narrated to me by yan he's like you do this and she goes from minus two minus two pierce to minus four pierce which is like the fucking boogeyman right and now now all of a sudden like all of the defenses of the opponent get sort of like washed away because she's just gonna slice in half whatever she hits and i'm just like yeah <laughs> right like and, and and then and then i say all i have to do is not roll a one he's like don't say that <laughs> it's like what you I need twos. That's the way to say it. I need twos. Yes, yes, exactly. I need twos. Yep. It's exactly right. Yep. And so this whole interaction of me, like spending my AP to do exactly what I wanted to do, um, I think was the thing that, that, that really like stemmed the tide for me when I was like, yes, this game just has so much room for player choice 
in this kind of like in this like not overly complex or overwhelming rule set right like mm-hmm. it's not hard to understand how the game functions but the game just gives you this amazing amount of agency to do what you want um with the resources that you have if you manage them correctly um and i think that that's like one of the most fascinating things about wargaming that there is period and this game uh has it in a in a way that a lot of games wish they did yeah yeah and and that's true and you know my other thing about wild west exodus is that you know malifaux's genius is in the variety of objectives um, yeah, and the interaction between models, but yeah. But yep. I, I think, I think where Wild West Exodus excels is making the player feel as though there are lots of options available to them in the moment they're playing the game, and still making you have to make tough choices. Yeah, it, it, it gives you a sublime toolkit, right? Yes. It's just like it's a tool set and it's like do what you do what you want with this toolkit. Um and it's it's just a really good design. I'm I like I said, I, I, I was impressed enough to to walk out uh and and I and I was impressed enough to buy it the first time. You know, I've always been sort of in on Wild West Exodus, but now I'm like Malifaux in on Wild West Exodus or Eden in on Wild West Exodus. Like good. That makes I me feel so like happy. now I finally I've got that like I I feel the same way about Wildest Exodus right now that I do about Eden and Malifaux. Now you know I've got uh, well over two dozen games of Eden under my belt and m- at least a hundred or more matches of Malifaux, um, and I I can say that like I well. I feel similarly about this game. Like the first demo I got of Malifaux left me with a similar feeling to the way that like, I feel as good now buying this as I did when I first bought my Sonya starter for Malifaux. So, um, I think that's, that's where it is right now. And, and good enough also that I pulled my red Oak stuff out of the basement and it's going to, I'm going to paint the red Oak stuff before I paint the divine intervention stuff. And the reason I'm going to do that is that every time I go to play Malifaux or I go to play Eden or I go to play whatever the fuck I'm going to play, I am going to have a fully demoable, fully painted set of wild west exodus ready to set out on a two by two board mm-hmm. to, so that somebody can experience it the way that i experienced it in my demos yep um because that's what you need to do um and i'm not saying i want to be a war host or anything like that I, I i but i am saying that no matter what i do or where i go when i'm playing miniatures games i'm going to have these minis with me so that i can demo this game for people because i feel that strongly about the strength of the system yeah, I think that's a good idea. It it once once people start playing with it and start seeing the those decision making points, uh, it sells itself. Yeah, I mean, I bought a second set of action and adventure cards just so that I could do this. Right, I'm not bullshitting. Like, it, I'm in. Yeah, that's awesome. So, all right, so, so that was one demo. All right, after after Wild West Exodus, uh, uh, what other what other demos did you do? Sure, I did. Uh, yeah, we'll go. We'll go like in order of impressiveness to me. Okay. Um, from here, so next I want to talk about Arena Rex. Ah, yeah. Um, so I played a demo of Arena Rex. Um, again, uh, this this is a really slick system. If you want something, um, like Eden, but you don't want the overhead of having all the mission variety, um, because you know, because there are people who want different things from their games. Mm-hmm. 
But if you want a game that has the like decision space of Eden without having to worry about all of the the mission selection, um, and uh, with a, a a really really slick action resolution mechanic, mm-hmm. um, I don't think you can go wrong with Arena Rex. I think Arena Rex and Eden are very similar games in that the 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 you know fatigue system is pretty similar. Um, like the way yeah, that you, yeah, you, you're you know, right. You're, you're right. Your, your counterattacks cost you what you would use on your turn. Um, I never even thought of that. So yeah. So they're, they're very similar feeling games, but arena Rex is sort of like, you know, there's not as much scenario play. Um, it's a little more beer and pretzels. Yep. Yeah, a little more beer and pretzels, but it's still deep. It's still a deep game. Um, for me, it was just a tad expensive. I think still mm-hmm. a tad expensive for me to buy in. Um, but that's no knock against the game. The, the, the miniatures are gorgeous and the rules are great. Um, they have a very good system on their hands. Uh, I think if the game was a little cheaper, it would be a much easier sell. Like I, th- I think one I, of the I things hate you to need say to that. Yeah, I, they do have good deals around the holidays um, hmm. for their for their box sets online. So keep your eye out on that. But yeah, Arena Rex to me fits that same spot as Eden for that game that takes an hour and you just get like a really satisfying mental experience from playing it. Well, if it's taking you an hour, you're 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 playing too long. <laughs> with with yeah, Arena Rex, right. it's it's really quick. I mean, considering yeah, that you, you But that's what I mean, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, you would have to be playing like, with a, a lot of models, but I mean, you can play with as few as 3 and yeah. be having a, an amazing time. And I mean, it is it is a really loose um you know, rule set as far as like, like it's definitely like not designed to be competitive. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I played it when I was looking at the rule book, I'm like, all right, how do we deploy? And I look and it says, yeah, you probably want to be about 24 inches away from the, your other guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's it, yeah. like, like most games you look at and you go, well, how could it, why would you be so, you but know, again, like, once, you, once you get specific. into combat, it's got, but it's got that cool thing where you can like chain activate as like you can, you know, because you can do like reactions to other people's movements and stuff. Well, and yeah, you're, you're that, able to like, but that's just it. By, like, it's cleverly, great. Even though yeah, it's, it's it's a good loose game. on some parts, like there's no real clear uh, uh, definition for how you deploy or how far apart you are. But it, there's like a recommended movement. <laughs> yep. But yeah, it's it's really good. It's a very good game. Um, so moving up from there, I want to talk about Relic Blade. Oh yeah, we haven't um, talked about this. I'm excited to hear about this one. Yeah, so Relic Blade is so cool. So this is one of those things where there's just too many cool games, right? Like, I think I'm gonna be regretful that I didn't buy Relic Blade miniatures. At some point, there's gonna be a time when I'm I'm gonna be sitting down, I'm gonna be looking at models online and being like, man, I wish I would have bought those when I was at Adepticon. Right. Um, so it's another game, another micro skirmish game like Arena Rex or like Eden, where you need like three to five minis. It plays on a two by two. Um, but the game is extraordinarily easy to uh to play and understand. Um, it has this very simple D6 system where each time you activate a model, it's given a certain amount of action points, which are represented by dice. And then you spend those dice to take actions and the actions that you take dice on, they like show you what you have to do. Like, let's say you want to attack with your questing knight, and I don't have the art in front of me, so I can't remember, but he's got like a mighty swing, right? And the mighty swing has a target number of seven. And you can see that represented on the die on the card as mighty swing and a four and a three. So this is telling you as the player that you need two dice to make this attack, 
Uh, and it's also telling you that uh, uh, what your critical value is, because the way that you get criticals in this game are meeting the exact numbers that are shown on the card for the attack. So if you do roll uh, your your um, seven on the questing night and you do it with a four and a three, then you crit on the strike. And that's the truth with any of the actions. So if you, you know, if you need to roll a standard attack and you have one dice and the number on the dice is four, um, when you roll a four, you crit. And I think it's four and under or four and over is a success, right? Right. So super easy to understand how everything works. Um, And again, you can use your dice for actions and reactions, just like uh, Eden and Arena Rex. Mm -hmm. Um, and And it's really cool in that there's like these packs of cards and the packs of cards have upgrades. And it's really simple to be able to like purchase upgrades and you use this, you can use a campaign system and you can buy the upgrades with money to make your guys better. And you get attached to your heroes. Um, It's just a really cool game. Uh, All in all, it's a very well-designed micro skirmish game that can be played. And I think if any listeners have children like 10 and under, this is probably the best game you can use to introduce a small child into miniatures gaming. I don't think that there's a better example or a safer example of a game that you could use to bring a small child into the hobby. Hmm. And that, and, and it's theming is good for kids and all that. It's not like, Oh yeah. It's know. like classic fantasy. There's, there's no cheesecake models or anything too okay. scary. And um, and nothing like, there's like some lizard men. No, no, like, Chicks in their underwear, Nothing. things like that. No, okay. nope, none of that. <laughs> Zero of that. Yep, nothing at all. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm glad all that right. was a good demo. What else you got? Um, so moving on from that, we'll talk about Confrontation. Um, so Confrontation is a game I didn't know much about going in other than it was a mass battle system game. I think the fact that it was a mass battle system game was the only thing I knew about confrontation. Um, now this bears a little bit of talking about because you know, there there's a lot of mass battle systems out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is a rank and flank game, like, like a song of ice and fire, but it's a much deeper game system than a song of ice and fire where a song of ice and fire is lean and like 24 pages of rules. This is a 96 page behemoth of a rule book. So it's a little more old school, a little more old school. Um, but it has really good mechanics. Okay. Um, it, I think anybody who played anybody who played like classic Warhammer fantasy and like sort of wants to go back to that style of play will be very happy with what confrontation has to offer. Um, it's a D six action resolution mechanic. Uh, and the way that it works is, is the way you would expect it to work, right? So, like, a, as you if you if you charge like face to face into another into another model, you look at your trays of miniatures, and if, for example, your unit card because the game has unit cards shows you that each miniature has one attack, then you just pull one dice for each of them, and then they have a stat for what they need to roll. And in this game, lower numbers are better. Okay. So if your stat is two, then you need twos and ones to hit. If your stat's three, you need threes, twos, and ones to hit. Okay. That makes sense. And then once you roll, yep. And then once you roll, you do a defensive check to see, and each defense successful defensive check um, 
pulls uh, or leaves a miniature on. So everything you fail, you lose, you lose a miniature mm-hmm. or you lose a wound. Uh, and then you make uh, directly after, if you lose any miniatures, like if you, if there are any saves that you miss, you have to make a resolve check and every point that you lose on a resolve check, you lose more miniatures. Okay. So it's also deadly. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, so the, so the game's pretty brutal. And I think one of the more innovative things that the game system does is it's initiative mechanic. So the way that the game works is that you look at the board state at the beginning of the turn, and then you pick up all your unit cards and you put your unit cards in the order you want to activate them from the first one on the top of the stack to the last one on the bottom of the stack. Okay. And then that's how you activate through the turn. Oh, that's interesting. When it's your turn, you flip the you flip the card off the top of the stack and that's the model that you have to activate during that turn. Mm. Okay, that's kind of um, scary. And so <laughs> to, to, to yeah, plan that far out. But also again Yeah, you have to plan pretty far out. Um, and then, you know, you, you have to live with the decision and do what you can in the space that you've chosen based on how the go- the game state changes. Right. Um, so it was really cool. Another thing that was nice is that the, this is a 35 millimeter game. Okay. So it's, it's a little bit scaled up from, you know, your 28 and 32 mil game. So the miniatures are big and chunky. And also after the demo, they gave everyone who played the game a sprue of miniatures. So I'm going to assemble a couple of them so that we can post some pictures and you can, you know, any listeners can see what the models for this game look like because they are a wonder to behold. I think if there's anything to be said about this game, it's that it's set in sort of like this classic fantasy setting, but it is anything but classic fantasy in its, in its styling. Right. Um, we saw the the humans who do really look like regal knights in your sort of classic Arthurian, you know, uh, knights in shining armor kind of dudes. But then the other factions that they shown are like these like crazy, like lab grown monsters. Uh, and the other one are dwarves. And neither of these are anything like you would expect. The dwarves aren't anything you would expect dwarves to hmm. look like. Okay. Um, you have to look up pictures because they're super cool. Um, they just have a very unique aesthetic, like how unique the Caradron overlords are when they pulled them out in, uh, it's like that dramatic a departure to your classic Tolkien dwarf. Wow. Okay. Um, uh, and, and then also again, like I said, this like really crazy monster faction and they are like that. There are some of the most amazing miniatures I've seen in a mass battle game in a long time. Uh, also it's worth noting the gameplay is on a four by four. So that's that's the size that you would, you would expect. And also I did a little bit of digging after I looked and each regiment, the prices per regiment for this game are 25 or $35. Um, And the way it it looks to shake out uh, is that like a full game requires you to have like between six and 10 regiments. So if you do the math there, um, it's not that expensive for a mass battle game, like for okay. a game where you're talking about playing with, you know, close to a hundred miniatures per side. It's not like you're spending a thousand dollars. You might be dropping a couple hundred. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. So, I mean, that, I, I think that's what I have to say about confrontation. The demo was, you know, limited in its scope. It didn't go into all of the, the nuances of the rules that I discovered after like looking at the rule book and be like, geez, they right. just gave us like the really cursory, like <laughs> basic core mechanics. Sure. Sure. Um, 
Um, but it, it was still really fun to play. I, I would say um, it was one of the, the more fun demos that I played. And I think it's the most fun I've had with a mass battle game. Awesome. That's good to know. I'll, I'll have to look right. into this one a bit more. <clears throat> yeah. So that's confrontation. And now we're moving into our last two, which are outside of wildest Exodus, my favorite two demos of the weekend. Okay. Um, I don't know that I could give one higher billing than the other. So there's really no order here other than to say that I liked these demos equally. And then I'm looking forward to playing more of these games, both these games equally. Um, so the first one that I'll talk about is uh, the drowned earth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let me let me tell you about the drowned earth. Yeah. Um, I know we, we like to joke about Wild West Exodus as being infinity light. Oh, yeah. Drowned um, Earth definitely fits that even better than in, than in, uh, Wild West yeah, Exodus. Inf- infinity truly is infinity light the, or the drowned earth. Yeah. It, oh, it yeah. It truly is. Uh, everything about it is very infinity ish. Um, the reaction system is very infinity ish, except for the thing that I love is that reactions aren't unlimited, right? It's not like you get unlimited arrows like you do in, in infinity. Like a guy can just shoot as many arrows as he gets. You have to use your, your stamina or your AP to do it, to take reactions, but the game, just like infinity, right? Like a guy walks across your sight line. You can take a reaction to shoot at him. If you can see Yep. like, it's just how it is. Um, and so I want to tell you about the coolest thing about this demo, because the way that I'm going to sell the drowned earth isn't by going into the mechanics like I did with confrontation. Um, it's going to be more like what I did with wildest exodus. So the scenario that we had set out was that there was a, a big tower in the middle of the board. And let me tell you something about this game in terms of 3d terrain. This is the first miniatures game that I've ever played where 3d terrain is as important as it is. Um, like 3d terrain is always cool. Right. And it's important in infinity. I'll give it that. But in this game, it is truly a part of it. Like you can't play this game without 3D terrain. It requires it demands it. Um, and what I want to talk about is the, a little bit about the way this map was set up. So there were like four corners and each <coughs> corner deliberately had a little bit of a land mass for a deployment zone. And they were like measured out deployment zones. It was a really clever demo board. Okay. And then the rest of it was like poured resin material to, to be like water. And then there was an island in the middle with a giant sort of like a tree fort and it. And the tree fort had multiple levels uh, and vines hanging off of it. And the way that it was presented to me was like, you want to climb the vines, climb the vines. You want to jump, jump, you know, do whatever you need to do. So what I'll say is that we played a couple rounds back and forth as I was getting used to the mechanics, how movement works, how nailing it works. Cause every skill check in this game is rolled with two dice. One of them is like your attribute dice. And the other one is like the, the offset. It's like how successful you are. Right. And if you roll both the dice under your target number, it's what's called nailing it and you get the best result. And that can be extra movement. It can be extra damage on an attack. It can be lots of different things when you nail it. Right. And so this is the turn. I've got my bro who's got like he's like a bird bro. I was calling him Harvey Birdman. And oh, you got to play Harvey the Wayfarers. Is, yeah, Wayfarers. Yeah. Uh, so Harvey Birdman is is sitting sitting just outside of the deployment zone. He's made one successful jump and then shot a bunch. But I know it's the third turn. I don't have any models up on the objective, and I need to get a model up there. And this is going to be one of my last opportunities to do so. So. I load him up with his three AP because he's like the leader uh, and we get going. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to jump from here to the other side. So I measure out my seven inch move. Mm-hmm. I show this is my intent. This is where I want to go. I roll the dice. Not only do I nail it, I crit it. And oh. so 
when you cr- when you crit a nail it, that means you don't lose the AP, right? right? You just you do the thing you're going to do and you get the AP back. And it's rare. It's like one result on your offset dice that allows you to crit. Right. So, and you also have to pass your skill roll too, right? So it's like a, not a not a common thing that happens. And so I do this, boom, jump across. And I'm like, all right, from where I am, I'm going to measure up to this. Uh, it's like hanging from the tree is like a lift, right? There's like a lift on a hoist at the top okay. and it's like hanging halfway down. So I'm like, I want to jump up into that. And I measure it. I'm like seven inches out. So not only do I have to pass the roll, I have to nail it. The okay. only way I can get up is if I nail it. So I roll it and crit again and I jump up and now I'm feeling boss hoss, right? I'm sitting in the middle of this cage. I got all three of my AP left. I'm looking <laughs> at Dilophosaur right in the face. He takes a reaction, spits at me, misses. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to shoot at that Dilophosaurus because fuck that guy. So I shoot it, nail it, hit him and kill him. So this is what my guy's done, right? He's taking these two badass jumps. Think about Harvey Birdman jumps over the this like, you know, seven foot gap clears it and then jumps up into this cage. A Dilophosaurus spits on him while the cage is swinging back. He cocks up, shoots that fucker right in the face. And now as it's coming back around, I'm like, now I'm going to jump up to where the eggs are because the eggs are what we're trying to steal. So I roll, nail it. I didn't crit this time. So now I jump up to the top, one AP left. I mark, walk over to the objective and win the scenario. That's awesome. Uh, and that's like how this game works. This game is like built on cinematic terms and cinematic action resolution. Um, and it's really awesome. Uh, I, I don't know what else I can say to sell that game other than like, man, I, I walked away from that super impressed. I'm uh, I, I'm jealous because part of my New Year's resolution was to, to start playing uh, The Drowned Earth. And I just haven't been able to do it yet. Uh, well, so let I'm that super be jealous. It. Let that be a reason for you to get those models built and that rule book read um, to play the game because it was amazing, man. That is a that is a truly impressive game. Um, it really like uh, made me see from a game designer perspective, like like how much room there is to innovate in the miniatures game space because it, it really felt uh, sort of in, in a league on its own in the in the like sort of skirmishy space in in being like such a like free moving game um, and a game that allowed the players creativity to really come out uh, in the action in the action system. Right, right. All right. Well, I, again, like I said, I'm super ridiculously jealous. Uh, but you you bringing that up in our Discord channel has encouraged the others around here that have models to to. Uh, maybe give a harder look at the rule book and, and not just have me teach them. So I'm, I'm super appreciative of, of their efforts on that as well. And hopefully me talking about my exploits with Harvey Birdman also, uh, yeah. also helped because it, it was really good. And I hope that was a good, I hope that was a good sell of like how open the, the, the system is and how good it is. Well, it made me want to go, go uh, uh, open up the uh, rule book that I have and, and start learning it. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm looking well, at, it is. Mission at accomplished. Wayfarer models right here and, and I'm thinking, huh, maybe those need some paint on them. Yeah, man. They're, oh, that's the other thing. The models are drop dead gorgeous. Like oh, this yeah. game has like one of the models is like, like a giant gorilla with a mini gun. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, that's so cool. The, the elephant with the, with the, with the Gatling gun and he's, you know, the elephant with the Gatling gun. He's, yep. he's, he's feeding the, uh, belt of ammunition through using his, uh, uh, 
uh, his trunk. Yeah, his trunk, and he's cut off his tusks, so this way he has a uh, melee weapon. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing. And your yeah, your so Harvey good. Birdman is a bird that didn't have wings, and he was jealous of birds, so he built mechanical wings. Uh huh. I mean, that's just yep. that's just awesome. So, so much flavor. Yeah, people there. who play people who look like who play Malifaux, his wings look like Karis's wings. Mm. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's really cool. Except he's a bird. Yep, it's really cool. Um, and so the last demo I played and the last thing to talk about from this sort of Adepticon gush is uh, a game. And the reason I sort of saved this for last is that I do like it and I'm also already invested in it. So I'm glad that I, I liked it <laughs> as much as I did. Okay. Uh, and so that game is uh, Oaken Iron by Oh, Fire right. Yes. I forgot um, that you said you demoed that. Yes, so I played uh, with uh, local uh, my local guy James. We played uh, we we played a demo of Oak and Iron, and I I know that it's not me and my investment in the game because this is the game where like when I walked away, James was like, I can't wait for you to get those models. Like, <laughs> it was um it it is a an astonishingly good game uh, for uh, a naval combat game. Like I think we were both a little worried about it. And especially, you know, like some time has passed since the Kickstarter and I've had time to be like, is this game really going to be good? Like it's a game with ships and you have to like deal with the wind. Right. And, you know, like <laughs> how much, how much like variety can there be in this game? But let me tell you, man, um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to just come right out and say this game is more fun than X-Wing. Wow. Um, uh, I don't know that it's more it's better than Armada or more fun than Armada, but I would definitely say from my my limited play with it that I, I enjoy it more than I enjoyed X-Wing from the the way that the initiative works where you're planning two turns ahead because, you know, you have to deal with like nature, <laughs> right, wind and water. Right. And that's unpredictable. Uh, and the way that like the way to, to really sink sh- like destroy ships isn't to sink them. It's to demoralize the crew. It's like right, which makes sense. Super thematic. Yeah, it's super thematic. Like I was like, I'm gonna destroy that ship, and the guy in the demo was like, "Oh, you're not destroying shit, man!" Like, there, the, it's really hard to sink ships in this game. The way that you disable ships is by demoralizing their crew to the point that they don't want to do anything anymore because they're just sick of getting shot with cannon fire. Right. Um. And the game really like lends itself that way, and the the ships feel the way you expect them to feel. Um. The dice resolution is a D8 uh, special symbol game. It's like super easy to understand. So like when you're going to take a shot at something, right, you measure distance and the distance measure has like, how close are you? Are you close enough that you could hit if you were shooting with flintlocks? Right. Are you close enough that you could hit if you were shooting with muskets? Are you close enough that you could hit if you were doing with cannons? Uh, and basically when you roll the dice, then depending on how far away you are, every symbol in that range or further than that range is a hit. So the closer you are, the more likely you are to hit with a broadside. Um, And then, you know, and then after that, if you crit, which are the skulls, you re-roll those, and then you can do things like break the masts off ships, which makes it so that, like, they permanently lose speed. Um, Hmm. And then you have to balance, once this happens, you have to balance during, because you have one action during your, like, your your main phase, like, because there's, like, a main phase and a shooting phase. Okay. And you have one action in your main phase, and are you going to use that to rally your troops? Are you going to use that to repair damage to your ship? Are you going to use that to reload your guns so you can shoot off that side of the bow again? Like, um, it's really good, man. 
Um, it's just a like the game requires you to make a lot of interesting decisions and like playing those initiative cards is so important. Like one of the cards that I had was like, was called bravado. Cause I was playing Spain and okay. it was like for the, the turn that you play this, it doesn't matter how much fatigue your ships have. You can fire at full strength. And so, so like, fuck you we're Spain. Right. And so, uh, my opponent didn't know that I had this card, right? Cause it's our first two times playing the game. Okay. And he's like, ex- he's like putting all of his fire into this one ship expecting that it's going to, cause when, as you take fatigue, you lose dice, right? So like if you're, if your shooting stat is five and you have two fatigue, you're only going to roll two dice instead of five or three dice instead of five. Okay. Right. Yep. Cause like every point of fatigue drops your effectiveness in combat. Sure. Um, and so he's like, all right, I got four, I got four, four fatigue on his, uh, on his big ship there. You know, he's not going to be able to do as much. And, and then, you know, I flip the, <laughs> I flip the, the initiative card over and I'm like, ha ha actually I'm going to be able to fire in full volley off this thing <laughs> at, at basically boarding range. Right, right. <laughs> So I'm going to put the pull, full complement I broadside at at flintlock range, at pistol range, get wrecked. Oh. Uh, uh, and that's what I did. I, I wrecked that ship real bad. <laughs> um, and so, like, those kinds of things, like, make this game really exciting. Um, and I'm super pumped to get more of it. Good, good. I'm glad that, that's, uh, that you're excited about that and that it, it played yeah, as well a, as you hoped it would. Yeah, I mean, you know, reading the rules and seeing how the game played and then also being interested in the theme, all of those things that, you know, like eventually led into me pledging at the captain level, which is like a amount of money I don't want to talk about, um, <laughs> but it's a lot of ships. Um, and so I'm going to have a ton of ships to play with. And I'm and, and also, you know, I talked a little bit with them about the fact that there is going to be pretty, pretty substantial campaign play or not campaign play, but um, scenario play when the game comes out. So it's like the, the, the he said, like, the game is not going to be like, put your ships out, set them in a line and shoot at each other. Like there's going to be active scenarios and things that you're trying to do or whatever. And like, like so setting up historical encounters or like you know, what happens as you're approaching a settlement at, well, you know, how, what does the defense of the settlement look like? What is the objective for one player or the other right. uh, in this, in, the, in this specific scenario? And so like all of those things are going to be built into the rules and all of those things gave me um, some much needed relief. I think like any doubts that I had about the game completely vanished in the demo. And that's another game where I would say, you know, they're taking late pledges now, if you're interested in uh, naval warfare in the 1700s or 17th century, sorry, the 1600s, you should like really consider looking at Oak and Iron because it is a fantastic game. Right, right. Awesome. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you feel comfortable with the uh, money that you've put into that game already blindly, which is the challenge of yep. Kickstarter, right? Yep. Good. Well, I mean, I think I would have been happy with the models no matter what, because they're sort of beautiful 1-600 models anyway, um, like the clear bases and everything. But like, yeah, the, the fact that like the game has these really cool things, like when you move, you have a wake marker so that you that's how you like mark activated ships is like looking at the wake behind them. Right. And then there's like there's like little smoke markers to show which side of the, the your ship you fired off of. Cool. Um, yeah. It's just really great. Um, all in all, everything was like really well thought of. 
Um, it's, it's got like cool ways of like building and upgrading your ships in the more advanced game. You know, I had him run me down a little bit about how all that works. And there's like a ton of options for how you like lay things out and like sailing in formation is a thing that we didn't really explore much, but it's also very important. So like the game has a lot to it. And I think that that's really cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's exciting. So one of the, one of the things I was but, hoping uh, you you would do after you you demoed that game, um, and uh, I'm guessing you went for a Wild West Exodus demo instead, was that you would uh, compare it to uh, play dystopian, dystopian wars. wars? Yeah. So this what I will tell you about Dystopian Wars is that I went back to try a demo of Dystopian Wars, Paul. Okay. Fifteen times, at least fifteen times. Every time I went back for a demo the wait for the demo was a group deep. So there was a group wow. playing and a group waiting. So wow. I never, unless I wanted to wait a half hour to 45 minutes, I just never had a chance to demo it. Um, but you know, and that, that's just, that is what it is. Um, yeah, that's pretty, that's, I mean, that, that it, says it, uh, something. I think that does say something. Um, and I, I think also, you know, a lot of that might've been people who played it back when it was at Spartan. That was the mm-hmm. original publisher. Uh, back yeah, when Spartan I think so. owned it. Yep. And they wanted to see, you know, w- w- how the game was being treated and what was going on. Uh, but I can tell you that no one looked like they were having a bad time. Um, <laughs> and everyone was like looking over the table, you know, like, you know, you know, like in a very, you know, sort of like, what am I going to do? Kind of like, you know, like scratching their chins, mm-hmm. making decisions and, and doing things. And I think that says a lot about the game, even though I didn't get to play it. Right. Um, I, I believe me, I wanted to. It just didn't line up. Um, but, you know, the miniatures are great. The game looks fun. And, uh, you know, where I'm I'm more excited about the. Uh, oh, you said the name of the game earlier and now I can't think of it. And I'm embarrassed. Armored the Clash. Armored Clash. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's more my speed. But um uh, this, you know, I say that after just gushing about a naval game, I, I, um, and, and I might, I might eat my words on that when it comes out and I actually get to see it more in action, but I, you know, it, it looks great on the table. People appeared to be having a really good time playing it. Um, so you know, that's what I can say about that. Yeah. See, and I, and I'm just a sucker for shared universe. Yeah, me too. I mean, and that's a cool, and I think once the, you know, once we're playing Lost World Exodus and that game comes out, I think the desire to, you know, like need to know more increases. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Like desire to know more. Um, (laughs) Yep. So it, I think that, that will definitely happen. Um, But yeah, that's, uh, that was my Adepticon experience. Lots of good demos. Bought into Wild West Exodus, uh, saw some cool stuff. Um, still excited for Warcry. Um, still excited, you know, for Malifaux Third Edition. Obviously, really into Wild West Exodus at this point. But yeah, that Which was I'm it. So Had a happy great time. about. Would recommend. So happy about that that you that you came around full blast into, uh, and were able to get a fellow oh. person up there to be able to play with right off the bat. Oh man. Um, hook line and sinker i'm in and you know from discord that john's in too so yeah yeah which is awesome and he seems pretty stoked about it yep yeah we're i think we're both pretty stoked about it like we both built our crew boxes so we could play this week (laughs) well good i'll be i'll be looking forward to uh seeing how that goes once you guys get some uh game time in there all right uh so any last thoughts on adepticon there chops um 
stop sleeping on Wild West Exodus. Also, stop sleeping on Eden. God damn it! If you're not playing Eden, <laughs> support those guys. That game is so good. I fucking love Eden. I played more Eden. Every time I play that game, I'm more impressed by it. Awesome. Yeah. Um. Adepticon seemed cool. I'm sad I did not go. But next year, I will next be there. Year. I will be there next year. Um, so wrapping things up here and this episode is going to go live almost as soon as we're done. Uh, so I'm doing very little editing on it. So I hope everybody gets to enjoy it pretty quick. Uh, we had an explosion of people in our discord channel today. I don't know what was in the water out there, but, uh, everybody apparently came into our discord. So if you're not part of our discord, come hang out in our discord. We talk games all the time. Uh, also, sure. I want to thank uh, your buddy, uh, John, for joining Patreon, too, and supporting us. Um, so massive thanks to to him for that. So we got him to spend Indeed. some money on Wild West Exodus and give us some. So uh, we're we're in the in the process of uh, upgrading our equipment. So this way it works well and you guys can hear us well all the time, because I know that's what you want is to hear us um so thanks for thanks for supporting us john it's it's super appreciated indeed uh find us on the social medias through men in a war game uh it's the number three uh i've neglected the facebook page a little bit but still get stuff up there and the instagram and the twitter are are active we're pretty much posting something every day uh so follow us there um Again, you also can come support us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash three men in a war game. Uh, lots of options, different levels for you to join in. Um, and we're always very appreciative when you do. And thanks to Static as a City for the music at the top and the bottom of the show. And uh, thanks to Kevin for all the uh, hot information about Adepticon. So thanks for, thanks for listening. Awesome. Let me stop this. Oof, that was a long one. It was a long one, but it was a good one.